This is the On All Cylinders Podcast. Presented by Summit Racing. Your host for today is Summit Racing's Will Schertz with special guest, NHRA Pro Stock Driver, Dallas Glenn. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the On All Cylinders Podcast. Uh, this week I'm chatting with Dallas Glenn, a lifelong member of the racing community and drag racing sportsman class veteran who's going to be joining the big leagues this year. Dallas will be making his NHRA Pro Stock debut at the 52nd Annual Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals in Gainesville Raceway next month. So Dallas, I, I think it might be a tiny bit of an understatement to say this is a pretty big deal for you. It's a very big deal for me. I've been dreaming of racing Pro Stock since I was a little kid. I uh, told everybody that I was going to be on a Pro Stock team and race Pro Stock one day, and everybody just kind of looked and be like, okay, so like, what are you really going to do? I guess it's kind of it also it's good, you know, I can prove them wrong and prove that if you put your head down and stay focused for long enough that you can always make your dreams come true. So when you found out that this was going to happen, who was the, the first person that you had to call and tell? Um, I would say, I mean, other than, you know, the sponsors telling me that they, they want to continue. First, it was my wife, obviously, because I like to live. <laughs> and and then uh, the next was to uh, Jason Line and uh, Rob Downing, the crew chief. Oh, nice. Speaking of which, um, you've been a member of the, the KB Racing team for several years now. And I, until recently, you were working as part of Jason Line's uh, pit crew, I believe. But then he retired this past year. Could you kind of talk a bit about how his decision sort of paved the way for your opportunity to drive in pro stock? Yeah, and him getting out of the car as well as Bo Butner in the same year kind of just made it so that there was extra available vehicles. And when there's cars available and, you know, they're always looking to rent them out, it just kind of it opened up the opportunity to really give that push to uh, sponsorship saying, hey, we have very good cars ready to go. They're championship potential cars, and it just kind of gives them that little extra extra push to say, hey, let's do it. Gotcha. That makes sense. So is, is this basically the same Camaro, then, that Jason would have been driving if he hadn't retired? Uh, no, this is actually, I will be in the same car that Kyle Koretsky was driving last year. Happens to be also, it's the same car that Jason did win the championship in, but I think it was two years ago, Jason got a brand new car, and that's what he was racing his last two years, but Kyle's going to get into that one since he's racing full-time, and right now I'm only on a part-time schedule. I mean, is this, like, you know, intimidating in any way to you, you know, both uh, taking on, like, the, this car that's uh, been in these big races and then the idea of carrying on the footsteps of a guy like Jason or a guy like Bo? No, not too much. As far as the driving, I, I know that there's probably going to be a learning curve that I'm going to have to get used to certain things, but I've driven enough different vehicles already that hopping in a new vehicle is, I guess I won't say it, it's, like, not it's not new to me. So... Um, as far as it, 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 I'm just more excited than anything to just kind of see, because I've always, you know, I've seen Jason and, you know, but I've never actually experienced all the other stuff that, that everybody doesn't see, you know, like all the, you know, the media days and autograph signings and stuff like that. So that'll be a whole new experience for me. Yeah. You you haven't done anything like that before at all? No, not not really anything like that as far as, as media goes. I mean, you know, the small article here and there for winning a, a, a bracket race or something like that, but nothing to, at this level, especially, not, I mean, not really anything with a whole lot of TV. So who was it who, who came to you and, and told you that they wanted you to drive? How did that happen? A good friend of mine, Shane Thompson, who is the uh, actually is co-owner of the Silver State Refrigeration, 
we have always talked back and forth and and you know i've driven a lot of his cars over the years and been friends with him for a long time i first was talking to him at vegas last year and i was just kind of you know making conversation with him you know you know how much it takes to, to sponsor one of these and he threw it out there like well you know if you're driving I'd, I'd throw some money out there well okay well that's and then i started pushing real hard for other sponsors and i got in touch with dan provost owner of rad torque systems and he was all on board right from the start and and especially without those two guys i mean i, I wouldn't be able to do this that's awesome that it that it came together for you like that so you know when when this all kind of came together and you were able to get it set up did you did you have any kind of like freak out moment like oh my gosh this is really happening um no i haven't had that yet i'm sure it's probably coming but i don't yeah, think so it'll probably happen until i'm about to like put on my jacket and and climb in to get licensed and that's probably when it'll be like you know this is really happening so i, I kind of wanted to transition in in a more you know general sense how do you feel about the the future of pro stock because we're kind of in a little bit of a transition stage you know guys like jason and bo stepping away um there's this new kind of crop of younger guys like you and kyle koretsky um do, do you feel like you guys are kind of ready to grab the reins um yeah i mean there's still a lot of a lot of good competition still in pro stock i mean especially with with erica and kramer and hartford and all the other uh, you know, I know Troy's Troy Coughlin is a good driver with Laughlin. You know, the, pretty much everybody in Pro Stock. Like, I feel like Pro Stock right now is as tough as it's ever been. Pretty much anybody in the top 15, 16, actually pretty much anybody in the field right now has the potential easily and the car to go out and win at any given day. You know, just with a little bit of luck and, and hitting all the points at the right time, you, anybody could win right now. Yeah. You know, I feel like in, in past years, there's usually a couple cars that are, you know, somewhat running away with it. I know we've done it in the past and the elite's done it in the past. But right now, I feel like everybody is pretty much on the exact same playing level field. I'm, I'm excited because I, I feel like I, uh, I'm hungry to get out there and and really throw everything I have at it, and, and we'll see uh, we'll see where it gets me. Awesome. I mean, I, I know I looked into kind of your, your racing experience a bit. So it sounds like you grew up a racing fan, you know, in a family of racing fans that were in the Pacific Northwest, um, got into quarter midgets at a young age, pretty much started drag racing as soon as you could get your license, and, uh, you know, kind of made a, a real name for yourself. Uh, for yourself at the sportsman level, what are what are some of your biggest achievements on this trip to date? Um, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest achievements I feel like I've had is I uh, won the national event in Las Vegas, I believe it was 2011 in Supergas. That was kind of, I mean, I've, I'd been in a final once before in stock, but to finally seal the deal is a whole other experience. And then the, the final that I was in before that, it was, you know, it was like a, kind of a reschedule on Monday, you know, there was the only people in the stands were the people there cleaning up garbage. So it wasn't, wasn't like the full experience. Whereas in Vegas, you know, you're right before top fuel and all the pros and stands are packed and it kind of, it's a whole new, whole new thing. And then aside from that, I did, I finished ninth in the world points in stock eliminator, I believe the year before that. But it uh, after that, I've just kind of, you know, you get a couple of bracket wins here and there. Um, last year, I doubled up at the Summit Sportsman Nationals, and uh, I think it's the Sportsman Spectacular. That was the uh, first uh, the first and second uh, Ironman I'd ever won, so that, that was kind of 
you know, I have Wally's and Iron Man, and that was a whole new big thing for me. And then plus, it I hadn't really won any big races out out east here. You know, I've won, I've won a lot out west, but to win one out east here, I feel like it brings a whole new level of confidence that, that I could still do this. The most recent is I went to the final round, and lo- then I lost in the quarters of the uh, fall footbreak frenzy put, that's put on by Loose Rocker out at mm-hmm. Piedmont. And with the caliber of footbreak racer there, it's to to make it that far in not one but two races in the, in the same weekend is huge confidence booster. I feel like I'm in like a like a streetcar compared to some of the guys I'm racing. I'm dialed in the in the mid sevens and they're going low fives. <laughs> there was um there was one other one you, I, I don't think you mentioned. I kind of wanted to bring up because it stood out to me a little bit that uh, 2008 race of champions because you were a little. If you were a little bit older when you when you had that win, I think that would have taken you to yeah. the very finals, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, I won a race of champions in Division Six in Sportsman, and I was 17, and that was the first year that they implemented the you have to be 18 in order to race a national event rule. If, if I had been born 43 days earlier, you know, I blame my parents on that one. Um, I would have been able to go to Pomona and race for the world championship, you know, so that, that was, uh, kind of, uh, the start of the hungry to really, really prove myself. And, and that was, you know, when I, when they first told me like after, right after I'd won, they're like, well, you know, you're 17, you can't go to Pomona. And I was like, well, wh- who are you going to send? And they're like, well, we're going to send the winner of Sunday. I'm like, well, okay, well, I'll just go win Sunday. And, you know, I got close, but it ended up just running out of luck just, I think in the semis, but it just did that that hunger kind of just stayed with me. Yeah, I imagine that had to sting a little bit the way that that went down. Um, you know, how do you bounce back from that kind of disappointment, especially since it, it really had it had nothing to do with your your performance. It was everything to do with your age. <laughs> you know, I went down and still supported you know uh, my team from Division Six, and I mean, I just kind of stuck with racing, and I'm like, well, I'll just get it next year, and or the year after that, you know, I'll get it eventually, but. It just like I was saying earlier, the the hunger to kind of prove that that uh, I can be one of the best is is always kind of stuck with me. I think we left that race, the race to champions, and stopped at a bracket race in Yakima on the way home. And I ended up winning that one too. So it was it just I guess when the when the luck is there, you just keep on rolling. You said you actually went you went to another bracket race on the way home from that race. Yeah, we went to a big money race in Yakima that ended up winning, which it was actually it was a funny story. There is. We went to that one, and that's where I first met Shane Thompson to come in and race in one of his cars. So I think I beat him in one of the rounds there, and he's like, well, why don't you come down and race one of my cars in, in Top Sportsman in February down in Vegas? And so that's how that whole started. So it, everything kind of flows together, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's interesting, though, you know, the way the, the people that you meet. That's one of the things that I love the most about, about drag racing. It's, you know, the the, the competitiveness and, and, you know, pretty much your your Destiny is pretty much in your control, and when you shut the door, it's just you. What I love about it is just the camaraderie and, and all the people that you meet. It's everybody's friends out here. Even though we're fierce competitors when we're on the track against each other, everybody's just good friends, and it's a good time. You know, and, and especially on the NHRA circuit, it really is like a, like a traveling circus, really. I mean, everybody's just friends. You see each other every week. Who, who are, like, some of the most interesting personalities that you've met in the racing community well obviously jason lyon being right near the top especially if you ever get a chance to hang out with him for an extended period of time he's got especially he's got some one-liners that are just completely out there and you never know what he's going to say and he's he's got a <laughs> really good personality 
and going on the other side of that with with Greg, um, a lot of people, I guess, misunderstand Greg. He's actually, I mean, he's incredibly funny and 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 a great guy to be around. Super nice guy. But the, like the the thing is, is he you will never find anybody that works harder than Greg Anderson. He's in the shop seven days a week, 360 days a year when he's not at the track. I mean, the guy works on everything at the shop. He's just, at the shop. He's just going from one one place to another working on stuff. And if he could be testing right now, he'd be out just making laps right now. He loves to drive. Do you, do you like, on, on your end, do you have, like, a preference for, you know, working on the car versus driving the car? Like, what's what's your favorite area? Well, obviously, driving has its appeals and, you know, the adrenaline and, and the – not really the the glory as as much, but just the the driving and trying to do the best you can. I, I'm always going to love that. But working on a car is is great too. I mean, especially with with what you can learn and and the skills that you get. But it's it's I I mean you know you look at you know, like a normal job that that people have and and I, I don't even know if I could do that anymore. I guess this job's kind of ruined me for that. You know, it's like I get to get up in the morning and work on race cars all day. Well, I mean, even now that I'm driving my own car, I'm still going to be working on it too. So it's like I, I don't think I could ever get away from it. Kind of wanted to to move on to um, something else real quick. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think most of your drag racing experience to date has been on the bracket racing side, whereas you know Pro Stock mm-hmm. is a heads up event. So uh, from from your perspective, what do you have to do differently to prepare for something like this as opposed to you know the the, the type of racing that you're used to i mean i still feel like i can take uh pretty much all my bracket racing experience and and still apply it to the heads up racing the only difference being is i don't really need to pay attention to the other guy after we leave the starting line you know i still have to try to do the best i can to cut the best light i can and i still need to make sure i keep it in the groove and hit my shifts exactly the same and one thing that bracket racing taught me is is consistency 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 if you do everything exactly the same then you can throw out variables that that could affect everything that that, that is happening during the race and so i think that is something that i'll I'll hopefully be able to apply is for you know with hitting the shifts and the staging exactly the same and and not only the the experience of all those runs of bracket racing you know with anything that can happen you know that throws that might throw a wrench into your normal routine you know i i can recover from that with all the experience of bracket racing i have so, you know, if I go up there and the car dies right before I pre-stage or something, I, I feel like it won't, I'll be able to apply the experience and not panic or get flustered and I can just work the problem and go right back into it. Do you feel like, you know, your time spent working with KB Racing on the back back end too has kind of helped you prepare as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, not only have I I've been driving the burnout car for the last few years, which just has a, a simple like 700 horse motor in it but it's still got the liberty and everything which that's direct driving experience there because it still has the you know liberty in it um just working on the car and gaining knowledge about how all the different systems on the car work and and everything is just invaluable knowledge when you're driving it you know if you hear something like that and you know exactly oh you know i might have you know maybe a weight fell off a wheel i know exactly what that sound was or what this feels like or you know it's just knowing how each thing works on the car just gives you that better understanding of uh, the car when you're driving it and, and how it feels. Yeah, and actually your response to that kind of reminded me. I wanted to ask you about the the specs of the vehicle that you're going to be driving. Do you, do, what do you uh, know about uh, you know the, the performance uh, characteristics of it? Yeah, I mean you know general pro stock our minimum weights 
2,350 pounds, including driver. So, I mean, the cars weigh a lot less, and we have lead weights that we move around to affect the balance of the car. Uh, there have 500-inch engines that are uh, GM cast blocks and GM cast heads that we obviously do heavy modifications to. They're naturally aspirated. It has a single throttle body on the front. I'm not exactly sure of the, the airflow dimensions or, or dimensions of it. It's pretty big, though. The Pro Stock engine makes around 1,400 horse. Um, I believe that they still made a little bit more back in the carbureted days just because of the you know, the way that the manifolds work and everything with two carburetors on top versus a single throttle body on the front. Now, it, uh, the body lines on the car are all based off of uh, the Chevy Camaro or, um, you know, you got the Ford Mustang or the Dodge Dart. But pretty much the majority are running the Chevy Camaro. The uh, availability of parts for the Chevy engines is, is really hard to beat. They basically, uh, you know, just it's uh, all the basic pro stock rules. Well, you know, heading into this this uh, first event, um, you know, what's your goal? Like, obviously, you'd probably like to win it, but do you have kind of a personal baseline for what you'd consider a successful pro stock debut? I would consider a successful pro stock debut on my part is if I go up there and I do my job the way that I, I feel it's up to the level that I need to. You know, I, I stage nice. I, you know, I stayed shallow in the way that I need to. I have good lights, and I kept it in the groove and hit the shifts. If I do all of that and I get beat, you know, whatever round it is, as long as I do my job correctly, I know that the rest will come eventually. As long as I can do my job, I'll be happy. So after after this uh, Gainesville race, how many more Pro Stock events do you anticipate doing this season? I'm planning on doing four at the moment, but, you know, obviously if um, – a sponsor steps up with with uh, you know more money with the intent to run more races. I am all ready to go for a full season if they if they even want you know if they wanted to. But um, I've capped it at four for the moment just because I know that at uh, the fifth race for NHRA is when you're eligible for Rookie of the Year. So I kind of just want, as uh, my wife has said, just kind of dip a toe in and see how it feels until you're ready to to fully jump in. Do you know which one specifically you're doing? Have you have you mapped that out yet? Um, well, with uh, COVID going on, it, it makes it a little more difficult because you know races have been rescheduled and canceled, and and you know there's certain uncertainty in the schedule. Since we're since I'm going to be getting licensed in Orlando, um, that's going to be kind of a warm up before my official debut in Gainesville. So I'm going to run that one, and then as far as right now, I I have Vegas on the schedule for the four wide uh, in April. And I'm also wanting to do Indy as well. And then as far as the rest goes, it's kind of we'll see how the schedule goes as far as, uh, you know, uh, with the COVID and everything. Gotcha. Definitely it's a weird year to get started in this for sure. You know, what, what are, what's your plan for the events when you're not driving? Are you still going to be, uh, you know, working on the back end with KD Racing? Yeah, I will probably be on the back end of Kyle Koretsky's car take over kind of the car chief duties and making sure that the car is 100% ready to go and chilled when we go up to the lanes. Now, you, you mentioned, uh, you said driving in pro stock, um, it was kind of a lifelong dream of yours. Um, so, you know, now that you're here, uh, what's your next goal? Have you thought about that? Um, hmm, I guess my obvious next goal would be to, to win a pro stock race, and then from moving forward after that would be to win a championship as far as pro stock goes. 
as far as a, a personal goal after that, um, I guess I really haven't thought about it a whole lot, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, so how you how old are you now? Uh, just turned thirty. Okay. All right. So, like theoretically, though, you could keep doing this for a while. Do you kind of foresee yourself continuing to compete at the pro level for, for a long time? Is that your your hope? Yeah, that's that's a that's a solid goal. You know, obviously, it, there's always uncertainty with uh, sponsorship and money. That's always going to be a constant battle. I mean, I know it is for every team, but um, I feel if I go out and and represent sponsors well and show everybody that uh, I can compete and and stay in the, at the top level, that I would absolutely foresee, hopefully, crossing my fingers for a long, long career in pro stock. So this isn't uh, related to anything we've discussed so far, but I, I have to ask you, do you still have your 68 Chevy El Camino? Yes, I do. That was actually just in uh, November when I went to the final round at that Piedmont. That's what I was driving. Oh, okay, that's, okay, nice. So the last time that you spoke with On All Cylinders about that vehicle was, I think it was three or four years ago. Um, have you have you made any other changes to it since then, like any upgrades? Or? Um, I'm kind of in the middle this year of doing a few upgrades, but uh, after I won the Summit Sportsman Spectacular at Darlington, I uh, kind of took some of my prize money and I uh, bought a set of wheels for it. But other than that, that's pretty much all I've done to it, a set of race star wheels. Hey, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix them. Yeah. <laughs> um, do, you, do you still see yourself doing more bracket races in it in your free time? You know, assuming you have free time now, it seems like you're a pretty busy guy these days. Yeah, I've been pretty busy lately, but uh, any, time, any chance that I get an off weekend is, I mean, if, if we're not testing or working somewhere or racing somewhere and there's a, a bracket race nearby, you can pretty much bet I'm going to be there. Uh, a little while back, we recorded an interview with rookie NHRA pro stock driver Dallas Glenn uh, just prior to his debut at the NHRA Gator Nationals back in March. Uh, he's been in a few more races since then and recently notched his first career victory at the NHRA Four Wide Nationals in Charlotte, North Carolina. So we kind of wanted to sit down with him again and get his thoughts on that and a handful of other recent developments. On that note, congratulations on achieving your first pro stock victory. Oh, thank you. And uh, yeah, Charlotte was—it uh, was definitely the luck was with us, and the car was working good. So, I mean, it's been quite the start to your pro stock career, to say the least. I mean, we're two months in. You've got your first Wally. Uh, I have to ask: Are you sleeping with it on the pillow next to you, or has your uh, wife made you find a shelf for that yet? Oh, we have that sitting downstairs next to the TV, right on the <laughs> TV stand. Okay, well, that's a, that's a good spot for it. <laughs> so, I have to—I have to imagine you've, you've probably been inundated with calls and interviews requests and such has it been pretty hectic for you since the charlotte race yeah a little bit but uh not too bad I mean, you know it's something you just you get used to definitely it's gonna learning it's you know definitely gonna come with the territory i guess yeah yeah how do you how do you feel like you did in your first uh you know post-race interview uh, i felt like i did pretty good i didn't uh i didn't really forget anybody i named all the sponsors i think my wife i uh didn't stutter too much so it was you know it was uh that's kind of the main things that I was worried about. <laughs> yeah, that's all the that's all the important stuff. So, uh, so I mean, has the fact that you that you won already really sunken in yet? Um, uh, not really. I mean, all I can think about is moving on to the next one and trying to win the next one. Maybe at, at some point I'll think back and be like, you know, I you know, four races in, I, I won my first one and and realize how big of an achievement that is. But right now, all I can think about is the next one. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And the previous event um you got knocked out in the opening round so you know what was that like for you coming into this event how did you guys adjust and how did you or uh, do you have a feeling that it was going to go differently this time around well after atlanta you know we 
I, I didn't feel a ton of confidence in the car, and we made some pretty big changes to it before the Charlotte race. Some of you know, some of which are just you know just, uh, because the Charlotte track's just a little bit different. But it, we made some pretty major changes to the chassis, and and I I was excited to go to to Charlotte and, and see see what what these changes were going to do. I mean, I knew it was going to take them a couple runs to kind of get a handle on it as you know they, they're they're very finicky but um after the third qualifying run i mean even though it wasn't the fastest run out there or even you know as, as fast as what it what it could have been i could see um a lot of potential in it and i knew it was going to be as, as long as we just did a couple little things and i didn't screw anything up it was going to be real fast on race day and luckily i didn't make too many mistakes and then the uh rob downing and dave Connolly did a fantastic job on the chassis tuning awesome so let's go back to the Atlanta one. You mentioned that you weren't really confident in the car after that. What were some of the specific things that you had issues with? And, um, you know, what, what types of adjustments did you have to make other than the, the chassis? Yeah, I feel like in, in Atlanta, it was, uh, you know, I would, it was staging just a little bit, you know, and I would, uh, just a little bit off. And then I was just a little bit off on, on a couple of my shifts. But the car was just very very finicky you know it was either one way or the other we couldn't seem to ever hit it and it, and it was it just it wasn't very happy i guess is, is the best way to explain it 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 wasn't was it was it had a very very small window to to make a good run in and it just even when you did make a good run i felt like it wasn't where it needed to be like even just a nice smooth run was still several hundred slower than greg so i i know that there was there was more in it i know the engine makes enough power so we, it was just a matter of making adjustments to everything and getting everything to work together to uh, try to make the car happy. Gotcha. So, I mean, you know, by comparison in Charlotte, um, you know, did you run into any issues with it that weekend or was it pretty much doing what you wanted it to do? Uh, for the most part, it was it was doing what we wanted to do. Of the Q1, the track was still a little bit green and it, and it was a little cool out. So it uh, and we were just a little too aggressive, but... It wasn't a terrible run. It, it went right on me pretty hard, and, and, and it kind of made me screw up my shifting a little bit. But Q2, we actually had an issue. Um, when I came out of the burnout, it uh, for some reason it, it it just died on me. And and when it did fire, when I did get it to fire back up, it, it didn't sound like it was running right. So we just I just shut it off and backed up from that run, and we didn't make Q2. So you know it was it kind of got me a little bit nervous. You know we went into Q3, and that's when when I saw how much potential it had after Q3, especially, you know, because it would have been good to get Q2. Then then we could have maybe thrown a, a real nice run down Q3, but it kind of put us a little bit behind the eight ball. But I guess that just kind of, we ended up with a good ladder, and we uh, I guess we kind of took them by surprise on, on Sunday for how good it ran. And, you know, heading into that, that final round, were you uh, pretty confident? How how'd you feel? I'm going into that. Uh, I felt I felt really confident. I mean, I knew I that, that I had pretty much other than Greg the fastest car out there all all day. Um I had been the fastest in each quad and I've gotten there first in each quad and I had number 1 pick um after first round. So, and I felt like even pretty much every lane there was was decent, but I felt like I was I was hitting the tree decent. I felt real good about about some of the adjustments I made to it going into the final and I felt like it was uh yeah, it was definitely the ball was in was in my hand. It wasn't up to somebody to to screw up. Did you know that you won when you when you crossed the finish line there? No, they had the, a little timing system glitch with the uh, red light in lane four for uh, Fernando Quadra. 
so when he got there first, even though he went red, it still thought he got there first, but it didn't turn his light on, so it gave me a solid light because it thought I got there second. Ah. So it was, you know, when I go through the, you know, we don't have radios in, in my car, so I went through the finish line, and I thought I, I came in second, which was, you know, at, at initially I was a little disappointed because obviously you want to win, but... You know, I guess, you know, after when I'm starting to make the turn, you know, it turns into a little bit of just kind of like a relax because, you know, it's a pretty, pretty stressful day and, and short turnarounds. And, you know, I'm like, well, you know, at least I got second. You know, second is it's better than finishing third or fourth for the semi. You know, I mean, even getting into that quad is, is great. So it was a little bit of, of uh, joy. And then, you know, I get out of the car, just kind of taking my time, just catching my breath. And then that's when um, everything kind of started happening all, all at once. That's crazy. So, I mean, what, what did your, your teammates and fellow racers say to you after you won? They were all telling me, you know, they knew it was a matter of time. Um, I've been driving pretty good, and, and it was just a matter of getting the car there and qualifying good enough to get a good spot on the ladder. These races are, are tough because you got to be good in qualifying to get a good spot, but, you know, and you got to be good on race day. It's, so, you know, definitely kind of a little bit of who you come up against. And, and everybody was just super, super excited, super supportive, and it was uh it was a really, really fun time. So what, what about your family? How they react? Oh, well, my, my dad is working on the back half of, of my car. So, I mean, he's just, I mean, he was speechless. And to say speechless is a, a, a big statement. <laughs> um, yeah, he was very, very emotional. Um, my mom was, like, super excited. She called me right away. And, you know, my phone was, like, practically smoking. I had to turn it on silent so I could focus on uh, getting all the media stuff done afterwards. But, no, it was... Uh, everybody's just been super super excited and and uh it's uh it's uh, i guess it's a it's a feeling that i'm i'm craving to get again i think it made your pretty happy also uh, oh yeah um she gets uh a lot more stressed than i do on on stuff like that i just kind of focus on what i have to do and and she kind of takes on all the stress for both of us and uh to to win it, it basically it's just like a huge anxiety relief for her so I mean, like initially uh, when you and i talked you were looking to run four events this year um then i hear that that's changed now and rad torch systems is sponsoring you for the full season could you kind of talk about how how that makes you feel that they're putting their their confidence and faith in you to keep competing at a high level yeah uh, dan provost at rad torque is i mean you can't you can't ask for a better guy than that he's very 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 supportive even when we when we don't do our jobs and you know when we struggle he's still super supportive and he's you know keep your head up keep trying i know you guys got it in you and and when we were leaving Atlanta, you know, he was, he was kind of hinting to the fact that he, he wants to keep going. He doesn't want, want that to be the end. And especially after the Charlotte win, he's like, you just, you just keep racing and, and we'll figure it out. And he goes, you just keep racing. And he goes, this is, he goes, I've, I've never done, never halfway done anything and I'm not going to start now. So to have uh, a sponsor like that is just, it's, uh, it's incredible to, to be surrounded by people that, that support me this much. Plus, she gets to race the whole season now, so that's cool. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to give the Rookie of the Year a, a serious, serious uh, effort. <laughs> so, um, I mean, the the other side of this, too, is now, now your teammate's going to need to find another pit crew guy to cover those races you were not going to be driving in before. Yeah, I mean, we already <laughs> had a, a pit guy that was, he was coming, you know, he was with us all last year when I was doing the clutch on Kyle's car. So he's been with us for the four races that I've done already. So we just tell him that, that we're going to keep bringing him in for every every race. So that that isn't uh, too big of an issue. Okay. Well, I so wanted to uh, talk about something else. I saw you also achieved your first number one qualifier recently. Could you kind of give our listeners the details on that one? Yeah, that one was. Uh, 
I'm gonna say that one was a little uh, that one uh, was a little more unexpected than than the win was. Like I knew I had uh, knew I was driving good and I had the ability on race day, you know, cut good lights and hit my shift points. But Greg's car is just so fast, and it's not only it's not only Greg's car, but Kyle's car and Erica's car and our teammates uh, Kramer and Hartford. Every one of these cars has the potential to go number one, and and you know Greg's is uh, definitely the hot one right now. But you know, I I felt like I could be close with them, but I you know to beat all them and the elite cars in you know in in several qualifying runs to be the fastest car, I I didn't quite expect that one. I thought I could be easily top three, but I, you know top one is 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 definitely it's extremely difficult and. It's even, you know, Matt Hartford won on Sunday in Houston, and he told me, he came up afterwards after I congratulated him, he goes, you know, it's one thing I've never done in my entire career is I've never qualified number one, and that kind of just let me know of how difficult it is to qualify number one. You know, I all I did was I just went up there on that first run. I knew they were going to be aggressive because I, I was starting farther back in the field for the first run, and, and I knew we weren't going to get very many runs. I was only thinking we were going to get one, so I just focused on, staging as shallow as I could. I think I flickered the bulb on Kyle. He, was, he gave me a hard time about that. And I hit my shifts good. And Greg kind of, he, he missed a little bit of his shifting and it gave me just enough room to squeeze in there. Didn't didn't you, uh, didn't Greg have like a streak going too that you broke? Five number ones in a row. And he tied me for number six. If he had uh, gone one thousandth of a second faster, he would have had six races in a row qualifying number one. And then uh, to, to show how difficult it is to, to keep a streak going, um, the last time he had five number one qualifiers, I believe, was like 2006. So, and and Greg's always had a pretty fast car, so it's it's extremely difficult to qualify number one. See, so you got this win, then you followed that up with a number one qualifier, and I think you're also sitting in the top ten in the standings right now. Do you do you feel like you belong yet? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I can I can compete with anybody out there on on any weekend. I feel like you know, I'm just I'm getting more and more and more comfortable. I'm very very comfortable in the car now. I I don't feel like coming in you know jumping in the car after a couple of weeks off. I don't feel like I need to shake any rust off. I feel like I can just jump back in and and do my routine. And I think you know going into Vegas that was one of the biggest things I noticed was you know I kind of I was after Gainesville we had a month off and I felt like I was trying to reteach myself everything really quickly on the first run and now I don't feel like that. I feel like I can just jump in and, and go. And I feel like we can, you know, it's not only the rookie of the year that I want to give a, a run, but, you know, as long as I can stay in the top 10, I want to, I want to give the championship a run. I want to give everybody a run for their money and, and make sure that everybody earns it. Whoever gets there, I want to, I want to make sure that they earn it. And I want to give yeah. it my best shot to, uh, to try and earn it myself. Well, I feel like you, I mean, you've made a pretty good start to, <laughs> to get there. One of the sayings is uh, that my dad has is, you know, every weekend we want to make sure that they know that we were there. And I feel like so far I've achieved that. You know, in, in general, in your short experience with it, uh, you know, how does driving in pro stock compare with the bracket racing you've done over the years? Is it is it pretty much what you thought it would be? Is it different in any way? Um, it's for the most part, it's what I thought it would be. Um, it's a little bit more difficult to do everything perfectly than I thought it would be. You know, I thought I'd get in there, kind of do my routine, and just be able to just kind of hit it and make a small adjustment here or there, and just kind of just do my thing and always hit it. But there's the cars are very, very finicky, and they're very difficult and very technical to drive. And to do everything just right, especially with how much stuff we change on the car, is extremely difficult. I mean, with with the changes, because the car makes a very different run pretty much every time you go up there. And to try to adjust 
kind of on the fly and and hit all your shift points on time and stage the same and to do everything just right is uh it's a little more challenging than i expected it to be you think that that's like, you know, just you still working out the kinks with your car or is it just kind of the nature of things? I think it's just kind of the nature of things because, I I mean, I remember through the years of working on Jason and Greg's car, I mean, they struggle with the same thing as it was just like in, in Houston with Greg, you know, he, he missed a couple shifts, just, just a little bit, not a lot, but he missed it just enough that it definitely cost him the number one. And, and I know that I mean, he's he's got more runs in these things than any every, anybody out there right now by by a good bit. And even somebody with that amount of experience, where that he could, you know, disconnect his shift light and probably still hit his shifts pretty pretty close on time, it, it shows how difficult it is. Last time we talked, you kind of gave your take on the future of pro stock. You know, with all these young guys coming in, um, you know, you being one of them. Did you find it interesting that the guys that you ran against in Charlotte in the final quad were? You know, other other guys uh, looking for their first career victory. Does it reinforce for you that the sport's in a good place moving forward? Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of a, a special moment there to have four cars all in that final quad that have never won before. Is uh, it, it definitely shows how how strong and and young this class is. Does it reinforce for you that the sport's in a good place moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, even in Houston, Reinhardt was talking about how like if you had gone up in a space shuttle for two and a half years, came back and then looked at the the people who were driving pro stock who are all in second round, you would be you question yourself for how long was I really gone? I mean, <laughs> it, it's just the the average age of the of the class is one of the youngest out there by by a good bit, and I feel like just a few years ago it was the exact opposite. You know, it used to be, uh, you know, uh, kind of like just a bunch of old rich guys, and now it's a bunch of kids who are out here trying to prove themselves in one of the most difficult classes to win in. And uh, I think it definitely shows how how strong this class is. I mean, every week we have 18 to 20 cars. Uh, it's consistently just always in, in killer racing. I mean, in Houston, we had four hundreds between the number one and the number 12 qualifier. I mean, that is... You make one mistake and in your day is done. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's crazy how <laughs> you know how close the difference is. All right, well, hey, awesome talk, Dallas. Thanks for joining us again, and uh, you know, congratulations on your win, and we wish you luck as you move forward with Pro Stock this season. Well, thank you, and uh, I appreciate you having me on here. Anytime, I'll be happy to uh, join in anytime you want. This has been the On All Cylinders podcast. Presented by Summit Racing. Check out new episodes coming soon at onallcylinders.com. Onallcylinders.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.